0: May 31st to June 2nd, 2023, Sastock is heading across the pond to the neon-lit Silicon Hills of Austin, Texas for Sastock USA. Three days worth of networking, connecting, and learning with 800-plus SaaS enthusiasts, leaders, and industry experts, 400 SaaS founders, and 100 active SaaS investors. Get your SASTOCK USA 2023 tickets now in our two-for-one flash sale live for 48 hours only. With only 50 tickets available, head on over to sastockcom forward slash usa and use code SASREV to get yours. See you at the Austin Marriott downtown in May. Constructive criticism, right, which, which kind of hurts... But if I have to say, that's, that's the thing that's helped me the most, whether it's my kids that tell me, Dad, you're not listening. Like when your kid tells you something like that, right? Yep. It stops you in your tracks. Colleagues, uh, my wife, friends, like that constructive criticism that comes from somebody that, that you really care about and, and you trust, that I think is what has helped me the most.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the SaaS Revolution show brought to you by SaaStock. The conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth, and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today, and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. All right, welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, CEO founder of SaaSDoc. I'm Delighted today to be joined. Uh, By Massimo Aragoni, who is the CEO of B. Welcome, Massimo.
0: Thank you, Alex.
1: Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you on the podcast for the first time. Uh, You've been coming to SASDoc for a few years, sponsoring SASDoc for a few years. Uh, I felt I got to know you more at SAS Society uh, this year, which is our kind of founder retreat post SASDoc. So so that was good. Actually, looking at some of the photos uh, uh, this week, uh, I'll have to share uh, uh some of those with you some good ones uh, uh there um but we 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 definitely had a great time in uh, uh Castle Leslie uh, in Ireland uh, as well but uh, great to have you in the podcast you're looking very tanned Massimo uh, are you is, is like why, why are you so tanned tell me I, I'm looking pale
0: in comparison well, that's funny yeah uh, well I'm lucky to live in California I live on the on the coast in Santa Cruz just south of uh, San Francisco about an hour and a half south and I like uh, working out at lunchtime and so I'll go for a run um, so it, it, it's awesome to go on a, on a run on the beach and so that, I think that's that's what does it. But I, I love but I love Dublin. Um, you know Sastock is really it's one of my favorite favorite shows of the year. I, I always uh, tell everybody that it's a, it's, a, it's a great time. it's a great city. Uh, so even if you know you can't go running uh, at lunch on the beach maybe some people do in Dublin too. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: you, you, you can, you, you can do. It. I mean, like we had, there were so many side events at Sastock this year. Uh, I saw, I think it was like North Zone. They were doing paddleboarding down the River Liffey, uh, which was a kind of a new one with a bunch of entrepreneurs. So I was like, "Where's Hanno from Personio? And it was like, "Oh, like we're all going," uh, and um, or even from whereby they were like paddleboarding down the River Liffey when they should have been at the conference. But it was just kind of, you know, part of the experience. So we don't like a lot of people go running in the mountains uh you know outside of dublin and the beaches and i've done none of those things uh like i haven't even been to the beach in dublin i haven't been to the mountains uh, and i definitely come haven't had a walk down on. the river i mean come on like i'm too busy running the bloody conference uh, but uh, maybe maybe <laughs> next year or we can <laughs> we can we can combine all three in in the next year's SAS society or something like that but uh, uh but anyway massimo so we know you're in santa cruz uh and uh that's about as much as we know. We know you like exercising as well at lunchtime uh, and have a great tan, but you know, who is Massimo Aragoni?
0: So I grew up in Italy. was born in Milan, great city. Have you been, Alex? Have you have you spent time in Milan at all?
1: I haven't. I've done Rome, Napoli, uh, See,
0: and where was, I've, been, I, to Capri. Uh, I've I, been down south, Puglia, you know, all, all, all down south. So uh, often people that go to Italy tend to skip Milan or maybe they fly in. Um, but they yeah spend at least a couple of days it's a great city and it's improved a ton over the last uh, 20 years or so so i grew up there and then during college during my third year i ended up studying at ucla in los angeles um which was fantastic it was 1995 i'm a big basketball fan and the the, the uh, uh the team won the ncaa championship that year so that was that was a lot of fun and i also ended up uh meeting my wife uh, at ucla so that Dramatically changed the trajectory for me, so I did go back to Italy to to graduate there, and and uh, but then I I moved to the states, and that's how I ended up uh, in the states, and and also being um, in uh, at, at UCLA in '95 in was uh, interesting, also because uh, things are happening with it starting to happen with the internet, and so uh, I remember that like there was some buzz, you know. Um, and that's also something that affected my career for sure. I, I, I then got into e-commerce uh, uh, and, and that was one of the reasons. And here I am 27 years later, uh, still, still married uh, and we have four kids. We do a lot of uh, happy hours with uh, good wine and cheese. That's probably one of the reasons why we're still you know, going strong after all yeah. these years. Very cool.
1: And why? Why, why Santa Cruz uh, specifically? Obviously, US is a big place. I know you were U- UCLA, but um, that, that's not quite. I guess kind of. I mean, it's California, but uh, but yeah, why Santa Cruz?
0: Yeah. So my my wife uh, grew up in the Bay Area. She uh, she was born in Santa Clara uh, when Silicon Valley was you know uh, not the Silicon Valley that we, that we see today. And then moved to santa cruz and went to high school there uh, in fact two of our kids are going to the same high school that she went to so full circle there which is really cool, cool. and so that's why we we ended up moving there uh a few years ago and it's yeah great place i, I associate santa cruz I've, ne- I've
1: never been but uh with surfing and skateboarding is, is that true and, and do you do either
0: i suck at both so, uh, no, I did not grow up, uh, skateboarding or, or surfing. Um, and I tried at skateboarding. I'm not even going to try cause I'm going to, I'm going to kill myself. Uh, but surfing, I tried with my, my son. I have a 17 year old son. Um, uh, he's good. I'm not. And I don't think I have the the time and the will to put into it. It's, it's difficult, man. It's not easy. Yeah. So I don't know, I, I, I don't don't, know if I, I could do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm, I, I'm maybe we should say we're, ne- we're never too old, obviously, to motivate the the, the listeners. But um, I think with surfing, I feel a little bit like too old. And I feel like as I get older, I'm definitely more, um, uh, you, you know, averse to anything that's kind of like has a little bit of danger. And I feel like, oh, if I go surfing, I could get smacked into the rocks or You know, I find like sort of like excuses which make me think, well, I'm probably just safer on land and uh, skateboarding. I actually used to be really into skateboarding uh, as a kid. Uh, And then I just remember one day uh, as a kid, I was racing a car down the street and, you know, I came off the, the skateboard and my face hit the pavement. And I, I pretty much scraped, like, Ouch. you know, all the skin off my face and had to go to hospital. Um, luckily, I mean, it's probably why I look like this. But, um, uh, but anyway, that was kind of like one, one moment where I was like, oh, you know, also like skateboarding can, can really hurt sometimes. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just a, a, a bit uh, averse to danger and wouldn't do like bungee jumping or skydiving or anything like that uh, now. Just you know, kind of keep anything that's a risk of life or injury. Keep me away from. Yeah, that.
0: I still take some risks. Cause I uh, I love skiing. I you know, growing up in northern Italy, I spent a lot of time in the Alps, and and uh, that was that was really special. And, and so I still love skiing. So I, I try to go. Although uh, you know, from from the coast where I live, going to the Lake Tahoe area in California takes uh, several hours. Uh, but but still, so I still do that. Love it. Uh, try to take my kids when they want to come. So, so still, still risky stuff there, but you know, but I, I feel like I've done it for so long that it's manageable, manageable risk. Yeah, <laughs> like a second
1: nature sort of thing, uh, I guess. Yeah, now. yeah. And so you're the you're CEO of B, uh, and that's that's like B, like buzzy B, but B, uh, sort of you know EE. Um, what it what is B? Uh, t- tell us about it, and 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 how how
0: how did you end up a CEO of B? Yeah. So. So, Be uh, plays in the no-code uh, uh, visual building uh, tool space. So, it's a it's a visual builder to create emails, landing pages, other digital assets. In fact, the name stands for best email editor. That was the internal project name when we first started, and then it, it just we stuck with it. <laughs> so, makes sense. Um, agree about it. Yeah, there we go. So. So it's a, it's a great space, uh, you know, there's, a, there's a lot of content creation going on uh, all the time and, and, and so um, we, have, uh, we have tons of people that use the tool. So you can use it either online at BeFree.io, you just go there and click start designing, start doing that. Uh, and then a lot of people probably don't even know that they're using it because we have a, an embeddable version of it and a ton of companies have embedded our visual builder into their software. So in Martech, uh, great great tools like Iterable, Customer.io, Bloomreach, Freshworks, uh, many others, but also companies that are not necessarily seen as a you know necessarily a marketing platform. So Network for Good for fundraising, or Herefish or Sense for recruiting, and you know almost any space where you can think of okay that tool there's some content creation in there. We have hundreds and hundreds of of those applications, and and so if you put the two together. There's millions of people uh, that have used our tool to, to, to create, to design emails, landing pages, etc. cetera. Uh, so super, super exciting.
1: And, okay. and, and you
0: asked uh, how I ended up there. So I was, uh, um, so B started as a, as a project within a larger company, an, an email service provider based in Italy called MailUp, um, still going strong. And we were just redoing the internal drag and drop uh, uh, builder for email. And then at some point we decided, hey, this looks pretty good. Let's just throw it up on the web and see if anybody likes it. Um, So it was really an MVP where we just uh, put up uh, this visual builder that was readily available um, and people liked the idea. And so gradually it became an independent thing. And then the thing became an actual business unit within this larger group. Uh, And that's where I kind of said, okay, that's just getting big enough where it needs a CEO full time. And so I, I, I stepped on that.
1: Very cool. And what, Give us a picture of then the timeline then from, so from this becoming like a tool within MailUp to becoming its own individual thing, you know, you being the CEO, like what what did that look like? You, you know, is this sort of one, two, three, four years?
0: Yeah, a little longer. So this was really uh, bootstrapped Within a, a larger organization, so the larger organization is, is now called Growins, and it's a publicly traded company in, in Italy uh, with several business units. This is one of them. But so when we started this, there was no big check. It was just a you know an internal project. Uh, so definitely m- much closer to a bootstrapped company, and we started in the fall of two thousand and fourteen. Uh, the first dollar of revenue came in the fall of two thousand and fifteen, and now we're you know fall of twenty two. So from the first first MVP, almost eight years. From the first sale, let's say around seven years, and we're now we just passed uh, ten million in uh, in recurring revenue uh, in in August, and it's still growing strong. So you can see the trajectory. It's a good growth trajectory, but not you yeah. know not something explosion at some point where we put in twenty yep. million in, in VC type of thing.
1: Yeah. Well, no, congrats 10, ten million. Like you know, it's uh um it's, very difficult thing to do yeah and uh, and obviously it f- feels great when you when you get there um i mean it seems like there's uh, we, for our SaaS dot founder membership there's a particular slide when we're talking to founders about you know joining uh, and we use these statistics from uh from vern Harnish uh, who wrote scaling up uh, and he talks about um uh, for B2B businesses To get to 1 million in revenue, uh, like only 4% of B2B businesses get to 1 million in revenue, right? Uh, So the majority either die or, you know, they just don't quite make it to a million. But only 0.4% then kick on to 10 million in revenue, right? So B is part of the 0.4%, just to show how bloody difficult it is to not only start a business, scale a business, but to get to 10 million in revenue, Point four percent of all businesses that are created get there, according to Vern. You know, and I'm sure these statistics are yeah, are, are, yeah, are, are not easy. Accurate. Yeah, not easy, not easy. So you're at 10 million in revenue. What other data can you share about the business? You know, headcount. Uh, I don't know some other sure. like KPIs, metrics, etc. We know your your bootstrap is also kind of backed by growins.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, bootstrapped and uh, growins kind of uh, provide a sort of a line of credit at the beginning to to help, but not not a large amount, but um, that's also why, like you you could uh, you know uh, think of it as a kind of initial quick quick round of financing. Um, so we're about seventy people now, around thirty in the U.S. and and, and the rest in Europe, mostly in Italy. Uh, that's because that's where we started uh, originally. Um, and um, the two sides of the business. So again, there's the the hosted uh, design suite. That you access at befree.io and then the embeddable visual builder still after all these years kind of split down the middle. It, it wasn't obviously it wasn't designed that way, and we were we we're also weren't expecting it to continue that way. But uh, the revenue still kind of split uh, down the down the middle, both growing. And um, I did a presentation by the way at, at SaaS Talk on uh, a, a switch that we did earlier this year uh, from free trials to full freemium. On our uh, design suite, and uh, shared a bunch of data there. I know you guys are gonna uh, put out the video soon, so if people are interested. Uh, uh, there's a lot more data there, uh, But we now do almost sixteen thousand signups a month for wow. the design suite online. Very much a, a product-led growth uh, strategy there. So, uh, yeah, tons, tons of additional kind of insights in that in that uh, talk that I gave at SaaS
1: Very cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm. I, I believe it, it's certainly out. This week, and it should we go initially out on on TV certainly by the time I think this podcast is published, people will be able to search for that talk on uh, on TV and heard a lot of good feedback i saw I saw speakers asking for the slides uh, for your talk, and I think i don 't know why in, awesome. in my head that 's always a good. Um, I, I don't know, kind of like benchmark of like th- this was good. You know, the speakers are asking yeah. for another speaker's talk, so 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 congrats on that. Uh, I look forward to watching it. Obviously, when I, when I'm at the conference, I I only ever see like one or two minutes of you, you know uh, certain talks, and it's very difficult to judge um, because I'm being pulled from pillar pillar to post. Uh, so I, I saw very few uh, pieces of content, and I always aspire post event to you know grab the popcorn and sit down and you know, watch a, a bunch of the content. But generally, it just kind of happens that over the years, I end up, you know, watching select pieces, you, you know, on TV or, or or YouTube uh, channel uh, uh, as well. Uh, and I know we're going to um, really kind of like dive deep into uh, the topic that I think also you you, you spoke, uh, um, or to me a little bit about SAS Society, the idea about running retreats for remote companies. But uh, so I'm excited to dive into that. But before that, what, what are like a couple of lessons you can share, you know, from scaling uh, uh,
0: B uh, to date? So I'd be kind of curious to know. Sure, and, and, and you said, you know, how difficult it is to get to uh, the, the 10 million mark, uh, there's always a component of, uh, of luck. Uh, and in our case, uh, being a remote company, um, we lucked into, on one side, being close to the initial adopters of, of the product. And at the same time, uh, especially when you're selling software to other software companies. Uh, so let me backtrack for a second. The first product that we put out was our embeddable builder, and so that that's sold to other software companies, right? So a lot of those companies uh, are in the San Francisco area, uh, uh, of course, for obvious reasons. And and so me being here was very helpful. I literally, you know, uh, sat down with with some some startups back then that they were startups, so for example, Iterable uh, comes to mind that, you know, sitting down with the the founders uh, because they were just starting out. So that was extremely helpful to kind of test the MVP and get feedback. But then at the same time, we were able to hire people, not necessarily in the Bay Area, which would have been extremely hard and and expensive. So uh, lesson there, like being able to at the same time, uh, being where the customers are, and not having to hire there, if if it ends up being a very expensive place to be, uh, that helped a lot. In fact, uh, looking back, had we not been able to do that, I don't know if we would have we would have gotten where we are today. So that that was a that was a, a lesson. And then the other thing that I would say, over time, we have been able to increase prices and um, price when you review prices and. And, and if you have been building into the product new functionality, you know, you know, value, that you've been adding value to the product, you communicate well enough, you tell customers in advance, you should be able to raise prices in a reasonable manner without grandfathering. So whenever we did price increases, we never grandfathered. And uh, the pushback was always very small. Of course, you've got some people that are you know, not happy about it. Uh, but especially if you're real, about what you're doing, you're, you're reasonable, you're fair. So that's another lesson. Like over time, we would do these, uh, bump in, in MRR, uh, you know, 15, 20% bump, thanks to a repricing. So that's something to keep in mind. Uh, I know, uh, uh you know, the profit, well, Patrick, uh, always talks about it, uh, uh, for example, So yeah, b- very useful.
1: How, how often would you, would you do price increases um, uh, as an example?
0: Every two, three years per product line. So we, we have two product lines as I was saying yep. earlier. and so when you because it's two product lines, it ends up being a price review or increase um, every you know year year and a half. but on this on the individual product line, it's actually every two, three years.
1: Cool. And you said like fifty, generally 20 percent uh, sort of bump. Um, well, was that uh, correct?
0: That's overall. That's the bump that it creates in the MRR. Right. Um, it the the increasing price varies quite a bit depending on uh, the 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 plan that you're talking about. So in some cases we would yeah. uh, terminate a plan, and so. Um, uh, People may see it a bigger bump than than what you said, um, yep. especially from smaller plants. But on average, yes. Cool, gotcha. Uh,
1: and and so as you said, you're a remote business, uh, seventy uh, team members, uh, sort of globally. You know, quite a few of them in it- in Italy, but still uh, a re- remote business. Uh, and for the last five years, uh, you've been getting you know the the remote team together. Um, and and running retreats in order for the people to get together and you, you know get connected, know you know uh, the the colleagues and you, you know help around the sort of the culture of the business. And I think like now I, I don't know if it's more than ever but we're in a remote stroke hybrid stroke. Some companies are going you know full time back into the office. Maybe not so much in SaaS, but certainly in you know some uh, some other industries. Uh, but it's it's probably super interesting. I think sort of right now to get some learnings about you know running retreats and the importance of those and the the upsides and the pitfalls of those and uh, I know that you, you you've got this knowledge to, to kind of share so I want to kind of get uh into that a, a little bit so so to so be kind of started remote uh when was the when was the first retreat what did that look like you, you know paint paint us a picture of this first retreat uh, and, and then we can get like versus the last retreat you know what did that look like
0: yeah, so when you're small, obviously it's a lot easier, but we started early, uh, I think the first one was 2018, it's uh, so probably three years uh, into it, before we would just, uh, uh, we were such a small team that we would just get together without even being a retreat, uh, really. But uh, so we started early uh, investing time and effort and, and money into getting people together. And uh, the first retreat was uh, at a, uh, vineyard in uh, Piemonte so uh, northern Italy on the kind of the west side uh, great place and uh, spent uh, I think three days there um, the last retreat so it was in October uh, in Sicily and uh, near Taormina um, so great place uh, and and uh, uh, that was at a resort um, And we can talk about, you know, pros and cons of of being in a place like that. Uh, And and at this point, there is a person on the team that's uh, dedicated to organizing events. So that's, by the way, one thing that I would encourage people to do, especially if they are running events, uh, not just obviously to get people together, but uh, trade shows, etc. We invested early on that. So we we're only about 30 people on the team or so, and we hired a person to help us with events in general. And she spent a lot of time on organizing uh, retreats, not just the overall team retreat, the company retreat, but also individual retreats for the various departments. So we try when we can to allocate uh, Uh, money to managers so that they can get their small team together at least once a year. So then you have teams that get together twice. So one is the company retreat, if we can, and then team retreats, you know, for marketing, uh, dev, uh, etc. So we we invested early on in a person dedicated to that. And of course, at the beginning, she she was wearing also a lot of other hats, helping out, uh, you know, on on other things. Whereas now she's mostly just doing uh, events and um so that was that's definitely something to, to look at you know to to invest early into that because it takes time and effort
1: did, with, with the first retreat how did you decide like how much you were going to spend on it was it like uh um you said okay we've got this many employees or, or you, you know 30 or whatever the, the the number was and like let's find it and find out what the costs are going to be and, and and that's that uh uh or was there like a bit of science behind it and compared to um, so, like now like are you, you you know spending okay like a certain amount of revenue per year you know on company retreats and, and so how, how does it work from from then compared to kind of now like what what is the the pricing you know, sort of like structure of that sort of look like
0: so there was no thought really put into it yeah. at the beginning we just we just did it um, now it's a much bigger dollar amount and so uh, last year, between everything, I think we spent around $3,000 per person uh, on, uh, on getting people together again, not just one time for the company retreat, but uh, for department retreats as well. And next year, 2023, we're gonna try to spend a little bit less because it is a year where, where everybody's kind of watching expenses, so um, we're, we're gonna try to go down to around 2K per person. Um, try to be a little bit more conservative on, on that side. And one of the th- ways to do that is we're probably gonna combine the company retreat with the the, the team department get together. So attaching basically the two so that you reduce the the travel expenses quite a bit. So that's one technique that we're gonna use next year. But uh, But honestly, there's pros and cons, right? If you are able financially to do two separate uh, events uh, even better because then people can get together. And then the other thing that we do is bring more people than need it to events like SaaStock, because uh, it, typically the additional cost of having two, three extra people there is not not huge. And uh, they just get so much out of it. So that, for example, is very helpful with new employees, because otherwise you might have a new employee that doesn't get to meet anybody in person for many, many months, right? Yeah. Uh, if you're far away from your next company retreat. So bringing people to a trade show helps with that. So that's... That's, so we've been doing that um yeah. but budget wise yeah now that it's a bigger amount it, there's definitely much more planning uh, you know and also more you need to justify to yourself to your team uh if you have investors and so very being very clear around the why you're doing this is is super important and and uh uh i always say we we don't do retreats um because you're doing because we're doing well. I strongly believe we're doing well because we do retreats. Right. It's the other way around. Yeah. So yeah. getting people together is not is not a time for necessarily for celebration. Yeah, you, you might have some of that. But really the reason why you're doing it is uh, completely different. And and we can get into the details uh if you want and you know. Yeah. But- no, 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 no,
1: definitely. That, that, that's an interesting way to look at things because, I mean, like, with with us, like, we had, I think in Q3, we had, a, like, a record quarter and they were like, what are we going to do as a prize? And so we we decided that we'll do a little retreat to a place called OC Island. Um, and um, that was, like, for us, like, a, a celebration and then an opportunity to, to bring the team uh, together. Uh, but I think I, I like the way that you're sort of thinking about it. We don't, why, why necessarily wait for... You know, a celebratory occasion of which we hope there will be many and you know, opportunities throughout the year to say, let's all get together. Uh, you know, as a business and uh, and you know, have uh, such a retreat. So uh, it's uh, yeah, definitely something it, I'll be taking it, away from it. it.
0: If you see it as a celebration, it's easy to 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 cut it out of the budget when things get harder, right? Because you're, it's like a nice dinner. Well, we don't really need to have the nice dinner. Uh, we can just yeah. say thank you to each other. If you see it as a fundamental piece of running a successful company, then if if it's really foundational, you can't remove it, because then you're really you're risking to to you know that the foundation of what you've built. So. I very much believe that it is foundational because uh, companies are complicated because we are complicated We're you know, we're complicated people. And, and running a successful business, as you know, um, is about the, the nuances, right? The, the details, the, the, the relationships and how those relationships play into the bigger picture. And so I believe that getting people together in the right way is foundational uh to to create the right kind of relationships and uh um i asked my team by the way before we did this because uh uh because i was i I wanted to hear their voice on on why you know they they believe that this is important so i can read you some of the 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 things that they they said uh, because the words that they use are kind of interesting so uh for example they said it improves morale increases creativity creates strong bonds uh it creates a feeling of community, breaks down barriers. Um, one colleague, Tori, uh, used a, 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 something that I love. She says it allows me to see my colleagues in high definition. I thought that was that was uh, fantastic, yeah. and it, it really it really gives you that idea of right, like we're complicated human beings, and when you devote time and effort to getting people together for a significant amount of time and, and, and you try to do it right so that you, you they really get to know each other, they get to that higher definition, right? Level of understanding of each other so that then when somebody posts something on Slack that sounds like a jerk, you have that buffer to say, well, wait a second, that you know, she he, or he's not a jerk. Uh, there's probably more to this, right? Let's, yeah. let's just come down and, and see what's going on. So uh yeah um yeah no no great great to hear that and i think similarly
1: like after after our retreat there there was such a a, a buzz and that kind of boost in you know morale motivation and then like we run these kind of start stop keeps uh with uh, our our team members uh, where we asked them, what, what should we start doing, stop keep uh, doing and keep doing. And uh, I, perhaps no surprises post-retreat, everybody was like, we need to be doing more retreats, right? And they were so good and, uh, you, you know, had a great time. So um, that's good to see. What are some of the things um, that worked sort of well? What are the things that not work? You know, some of the mistakes to avoid.
0: So let's start maybe from that. Uh, mistakes, uh, packing the agenda with too much stuff. It's probably the it tend, tends to be the biggest mistake. That, and, and one of the things that we've changed over time, you know, you have this desire to discuss so many things because you're getting together um, in three days, four days, something like that, right? And, and so you want to like get the most out of it. And so that you, you might pack the agenda with too many things. Whereas again, since we said that the foundation is to develop these relationships, break down the uh, silos, etc., then it's actually good to leave just empty space and just let people decide to have small conversations, go for a walk, uh, you know, whatever it is. So over time, we've reduced the number of things that we put in the agenda and increased the number of just hours that are empty. And so you decide whether what you want to play soccer uh you know or whatever which also brings me to the idea of like should should you do this in a city or more like a resort type of place so it's not necessarily a, a mistake it's a choice there's pros and cons but uh in our experience being in a place that allows for more options without leaving so if you're in a city, you, you leave the facility where you're at and immediately you have uh, transportation challenges, potentially, you know, people getting lost and whatever, especially if they don't speak the language. If you are in a resort type of place, uh, resort sounds fancy and then you, you feel like, OK, you're wasting money. No, no, it's it's just like, let's just say a place that allows for options. Um, it creates that ability to to pick. Right. People can pick what they want to do. Uh, it could be their playing playing tennis or whatever and and um, that we, we found that to be helpful um, so uh, transportation is 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 always challenging so we've made we've made we've had some challenges there so one of the things that we've done recently for example we're creating a, a buddy system uh, so that uh you don't forget people <laughs> so last year for example we were in naples italy and we literally we left uh, we had two buses. We left and we forgot somebody, so that's yeah. not great. Uh, uh, so, 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 um, so we, we, you know, things like that to 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 make sure that you have systems in place. Uh,
1: what do what, what are your thoughts? I mean, that, that, that's quite funny. And I, I mean, you're like this is not quite the same you, on uh, SAS Society when we were traveling to Castle Leslie. Like somebody actually joined on the bus for the two hour drive who wasn't actually supposed to be there, just kind of got on the wrong bus and realized when we got there that he, he, he wasn't supposed to be there. Um, so the opposite of leaving somebody behind, bringing somebody that wasn't oh, actually right. supposed to come. But um, uh, I saw um, uh, one company, I mean, I was say, like uh, Chili Piper recently had a big retreat where they brought their whole team, uh, I think to Morocco or something like that. And it, there was a photo and everybody like they was on this one jumbo jet, like th- 200 chili pipers or whatever uh and my first thoughts are what if that plane went down the company would kind of go down so what are are your thoughts uh and obviously it's a negative thought but like about sort of the risk of of something like that um what are your thoughts and so as you bring people i mean i guess it's a remote company but they're remote as well like in in getting everybody to go to a location you, you know do you think about risk and disaster recovery and not everybody or the exec team being on the same plane and this sort of thing. How do you think about that? Or is, is that not something to, you know, to be worried about?
0: It, it's not something that we've been deliberate about, uh, but uh, we weren't all on the same plane. Maybe it, the thought would have crossed my mind had we been in the, on the same uh, airplane. Yeah. Um, so, but, but definitely planning, right? So especially when you are traveling internationally and some people, for, for some people, especially when you have young members of the team, it might be the first time that they travel that far, right? It, and so uh, it, it requires some planning. So we we start planning the next company retreat five, six months in advance at least. In fact, we're planning yep. now for, for the next one. And that also has obviously impact on cost. So, but it all goes back to being deliberate about the fact that you're investing in something meaningful and therefore, you're, you're going to invest uh, time, money, human resources, uh, which also brings up about something that, that like, on the cons column, right? It, this is time. Like, there's, there's, it's not just the cost of the uh, get-together itself, but imagine yeah. all the hours that you're spending, you know, organizing this. So definitely it, it creates these hidden costs uh, that you need to be aware of. Uh, and yep. and that also increases the perception of okay, this is really an investment. So let's make the most out of it, yep. uh, and let's do it if we believe that it is a foundational uh, and, uh, investment. And
1: are there certain rules around like behavior and 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 drinking and so on? I mean, you probably. Have you uh, watched? Uh, I don't know if you watched We Crashed uh, about the WeWork sort of retreats and yeah. the, the the big parties that went on there and all the tequila that was drunk and you, you know uh, everything else that kind of happened. Um, what, what are your thoughts uh, are around that? Because often, sort of retreats, you know, can be um, you know places where a lot of alcohol, you know, can be consumed and uh, uh, and so on. So yeah, just in, interested in your thoughts around that.
0: Uh, expectations are huge. So just just setting the expectations like yeah of course let's have a drink it's it's great especially at the beginning you you're breaking the 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 ice some some people have never met each other in person and not everybody is uh, outgoing um, you know so uh, that's great but but setting the expectations of hey, guys we are here this is a fun, this is an important investment we're investing into building better products uh, serving our customers better building a better company uh, you know running this thing in a way that's going to be better tomorrow than it was yesterday and we are investing all of us and so having setting those expectations uh helps uh, and then practically speaking there are things like that you can do for example uh just wine instead of an open bar, right? Like, it, it, so you can you can you can make some adjustments so that it's you reduce the chances that somebody that didn't even mean to mix drinks and and just you know get get completely wasted. Yeah. Uh, you you you, you pr- help prevent those situations from happening. Um, and then if something happens, you get on get, you know you get right on it. Uh, typically, somebody didn't even mean to drink too much. So don't, yep. it, it has happened, you don't make it a big deal. And you just have a talk with that person and say, Okay, you know, let's reset here. And this is why we're here. And, and so far, we we've never had a major issue. Uh, you know, we, there have been some instances, uh, but they were in the end uh, handled that way.
1: Cool. We're moving on to the the quickish fire round. Uh, now, Massimo, uh, what one thing has moved the needle the most for your career?
0: Uh, I think it's uh, uh, being positive. Uh, when I think about what people tell me that has been important to them, uh, I try to bring positivity to, to, to what I do and, and that typically you know, is, is recognized in a, in a good way, which also means uh, uh, you know, we wanna create a positive impact on the people around us, the people that work with us, on our customers. So it, being positive is not just, uh, okay, the glass is half full but let's make sure that we put out quality things and we create a, a quality environment because that brings a positive outcomes. So I would say that.
1: What's the best advice you've ever received?
0: So that's a difficult one. Um, I don't have one piece of advice that's that's been just particularly impactful, but just the constructive criticism, right? Which, which kind of hurts. But uh, if I have to say, that's that's the thing that's helped me the most. Whether it's my kids that tell me, "Dad, you're not listening." Like when your kid tells you something like that, right? Yeah. It stops you in your tracks. Colleagues, uh, my wife, friends, like that constructive criticism that comes from somebody that that you really care about and and you trust. That I think is what has helped me the most over time. I get.
1: I, I mean, I, I get sometimes like, "Dad, why are you always on your phone?" And I'm like, "Oh, yeah, okay." I probably need to be, uh, you, know, you know, getting away from the device right. and uh, being a bit more present. So, uh, what about the biggest failure you've made and
0: lesson learned? Yeah, many, but uh, one, one more than a failure, a big uh, missed opportunity was the first company that I co-founded in, in the 2000s was an e-commerce company, it was a, a shopping car system for small businesses and it was a good product, but uh, we missed the switch to SaaS at some point And non-SaaS software, if you remember, there was a lot more friction in in it, right? You would install things and and configure things. And with e-commerce, it was particularly uh, difficult to get things set up. And so when things like Shopify came around and made it so much easier to start a store, that was really a, a big change in the space. And for a variety of reasons, we kind of missed that Uh, train, and so it could have been a a much bigger opportunity. So lesson learned there, massive lesson learned that I bring bring with me now constantly is looking at friction. Where is friction, especially in the customer experience, but also internally in the company, where is friction and how can we remove it? Knowing that typically when you remove friction, there's good outcomes. So, What about the hardest thing about being a CEO? For me, uh, again, I'm I'm outgoing. I like I like to say things and and uh, voice my opinion. And sometimes I don't realize that it carries a weight that's heavier than I thought. Right. So people people will say, "Well, you said that." I'm like, "No, no, no. I didn't mean it. It wasn't even a, a, a real thought. Right. It was something that just came to my mind, and I said it." <laughs> and it carried a weight that was much greater than than what was intended yep. to to carry. So that's I I need to catch myself sometimes to just shut up, just don't don't say something unless you've really thought about it. Well, what about your daily routine? What does that look like? So as we were saying at the at the beginning, uh, being in the on the west coast of the U.S. and a lot of people in Europe, I um I. I try to uh, get up early and start working around 7 a.m. Um, so a lot of coffee with those meetings in the in the morning, and then when I can, I try to work out at lunchtime. I, I like that, like the light outside, uh, etc. So I've recently, I've gotten in, back into tennis a little bit, uh, which is fun. And um, and then the the afternoon is more like non meeting. Space, so I try to to leave empty space there to to do that kind of that kind of work, um, and then in the evening, uh, you're hanging out with uh, friends, with my wife, the kids, etc. Um, so I typically stop around six or so. How many hours a night's uh, sleep do you get? I try seven, uh, although I'm not always uh, successful. Not one of the things that I'm best at. Uh, I'm working on it. But I try, try to do, you know, around from from 11 to 6 or 11.30 to 6.30, something like that. Cool.
1: Uh, and as, as we know, I mean, there you, you know, we, we've got a, a market downturn, a, a recession, you, you know, there are a lot of cuts happening. There are headwinds facing SaaS. So what's your advice to those that are
0: listening about, you know, getting through these headwinds? Again we didn't do a big uh, round of financing so I'm not gonna uh, uh, touch on on, on that uh, there's a lot of advice out there in terms of um, you know keeping um, extending your runway etc but for me specifically I can tell you what I, what I'm doing is going back to the core like spending more time on listening to the voice of the customer so in my case it might be listening to calls that were recorded by the the sales team or what other things so i i think it's one of those times where you need to go back to the very core of why the product exists and and just and just build on top of that and yes watch expenses etc but going back to the core i think refocuses everybody on what matters the most and so you also make those decisions, uh, I think, uh, more closer to the very reasons why uh, you're selling something. And and I think that will end up, uh, you know, allowing us to weather the the, the storm and, and come out stronger when the headwinds go away. Very cool. Great,
1: great advice there, uh, Massimo. And uh, so where can people find you online if they, they want to reach
0: out and connect uh, to you? So these days I, I try to be more active on linkedin so linkedin is a is a good space uh so if you look for my name on linkedin i i think you'll find it pretty quickly and i and i try to post uh, some stuff there um so you'll also find some some articles on some of the things that we talked about uh today so i'd, I'd so- love to I have for people to react to that And like we said at the beginning,
1: uh, I think by the time the the, the podcast is published, Massimo's talk from SASDOC about uh, B moving to freemium will be on on SASDOC.tv. So so do check that out uh, and and then soon to be on YouTube. Uh, But Massimo uh, Aragoni, CEO of B, thanks so much for being uh, on the SAS Revolution show uh, today. Great uh, seeing you uh, again. Uh, Looking forward to seeing you next year, you know, either at SassDoc USA or or back in Dublin. Um, And and thanks so much, Massimo Aragoni.
0: For sure, Alex. Great talking to you, and I will absolutely be there next year. Take care. Thanks for
1: tuning into this week's episode of the SAS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SASDoc conferences around the world. Want exclusive SaaS content and actionable insights to grow your SaaS? Join our community of over 36,000 SaaS founders at sasstop.com.